Welcome to this podcast from Rolling Roads Baptist Church of Greensboro, North Carolina. You're invited to join with us as we are growing towards Christ. The following is a message from a recent Sunday morning worship service. Our Bible study podcast for this week is for the week of February 26th, and it appears to be our final lesson by... Richard Blackaby, so I'm sad to talk about that, but anyway, these have been some good lessons. We've got six of them, and we can go back through them sometime. I hope you will hang on to your courtly. Session six is titled, Does It Lead You to Be More Like Jesus? So remember, what we're doing is we are asking the question, how can we discern the voice of God? Discerning the voice of God. And um, we had a bunch of different lessons there. I was trying to thumb through to give you the outline of all of them, but I can't get the pages to turn right. But how can we discern the voice of God? Beginning way back on page 96, and that was on the week of January 22nd. So, Anyway, how to discern the voice of God. This is our last one, session six. And the question is, for this week, does it lead you to be more like Jesus? And the picture is of a person preparing to be baptized there. Uh, talking about complete transformation. And the focal passage is Colossians chapter 3. So you might want to turn in your Bible there. And the main point is God's desire is to conform us to the image of Christ. He begins by telling a story about how he met a pastor in Brazil who was loved, respected, and faithful to Christ in every way, but he had not always been that way. He descended from generations of alcoholics and was himself addicted to alcohol. He spent so much money on alcohol that his family often had no food. It's amazing that someone could be driven to do that. So his wife and children were invited to attend a local church, and they soon became Christians. And through their witness and influence, this man came to faith in Christ. He began to faithfully attend a Bible study group, and as he grew in Christ, he moved from sitting in a group to leading a group. He continued to grow and his leadership in the church grew until ultimately he became the pastor of the entire church. Amazing testimony. Blackaby's main point here, of course, remember the point of the lesson, God's desire is to conform us to the image of Christ. So this illustration shows us that this man was growing ever more like Jesus. And God's desire is the same for us. We may not need freedom from an addiction like this man, but God's transforming work in our lives is no less powerful and marvelous. Will God transform our lives? Yes, he will. He will conform us to the image of Christ. So God speaks and calls us to be more and more and more like Jesus. And so Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. So if you have been raised with Christ, 
Seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, to be raised with Christ, Blackaby writes, is to experience a spiritual baptism or a spiritual new birth. This means that people have died to their old self and have been born again with a new nature that naturally desires the things of God. I hope you realize, I hope you have heard that version of conversion and Christianity because that's the correct version. People have died to their old self, have been born again with a new nature that naturally desires the things of God. And this is a sure condition for the one who trusts in Christ. So Paul is saying, since you have been raised with Christ, and that's the focus of our lives, the desires of our hearts ought to be on heavenly matters, not fleshly lusts on things above, not on earthly things, it says here. And so, now that we have been born again, uh, we have died to sin, and we can choose to devote our lives to nobler pursuits than merely fulfilling our lusts. So, he's got a point and a challenge here for this. So, Christ now sits at God's right hand, right? He is seated at the right hand of God, which is a position of power and authority. So because our lives as believers are inextricably linked, remember that phrase, which to me is very famous, the inextricably linked with Christ, his concerns should now be our priorities, Do you see how this works? Our desires are transformed and changed. His concerns are now our priorities. Our desire is to please him because Christ sits at God's right hand. He is totally capable of accomplishing his purposes. And so he says to continually set your mind on things above, to continue to do this. Because of all these things that happened, your life is hidden with Christ and God, and when Christ appears, then you'll appear with him in glory. Now, is this what the world wants us to do? Is this what our situation usually is in the world today? Is this how it feels? (laughs) Is this encouraged in our society today? Or are we bombarded, as he says here, bombarded, constantly by, he says, social media, TV shows, billboards, magazines that urge us to focus on worldly lusts like money and sex and power, these three things that the Bible continually warns us about. Paul exhorts us to do whatever is necessary so that we do not immerse our thoughts in fleshly matters, but in God's will. And Blackaby rightly points out, this is a choice we make. And he continues, page 155, if we fill our minds with TV shows, 
social media, and I include in that the news, which is a show, an entertainment show, we will undoubtedly be consumed with worldly thoughts. By choosing to immerse ourselves in Scripture instead, and exposing ourselves instead to uplifting Christian literature and Christian thought, we will elevate our thinking to a level that glorifies God. Do you believe that's true? Do you believe that uh, the things that you set your mind upon will determine your behavior? (laughs) Uh, I think it's pretty obviously true. So we died with Christ, Romans 6, 8, and now our lives are closely linked with Christ. And he's, he's challenging here, he's saying, before you were in bondage to the evil passions of the world, but that nature dies the moment we become Christians, the moment we are born again, because Christianity, the spiritual baptism or the spiritual new birth that people are raised with in Christ, as it says on page 154 again, means that people have died to their old self and have been born again with a new nature that naturally desires the things of God. I hope that's clear. So we are now driven by a desire to please and glorify God rather than to satisfy, you know, whatever lusts or, or desires of the flesh, of our worldly mind or the world around us or our own psychology hands to us by default. So he points out, this does not mean that we never sin, but we have the power to make the choice. And we'll have more power to make the choice if we have ever-increasing faith. So Jesus doesn't simply give us new life. He is our life. Christ gives us himself. He meets every need of our lives. We learn to orient our lives to Christ through time as we are continuing to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And he brings us love and joy and peace. He satisfies our deepest longings. Now, the Teufel, Satan, the adversary, the enemy, and those people who are inspired by him every moment of the day, will seek to convince us, as he did with Adam and Eve, that there's something wrong with us that we need God plus something else. Even if we've been baptized, even if we believe we're Christians, we need to add something. We need God and, you know, more money. We need God and power over people. We need God and our anger in order to be satisfied. But the fact is that when we focus on Christ, we rest in the truth that he is indeed everything we need. So we continue with our main point. God's desire is to conform us to the image of Christ, and that is his desire for you. Verses 5 through 9 of Colossians 3 says this, Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, 
and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices. Boy, this section sounds like quite a list of instructions, doesn't it? He's urging them to put to death whatever is a residual holdover from their sinful nature. We are new creations in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that. But we must continually bring into submission and put to death whatever remains in our lives that is ungodly. Romans 8.13 The command to put to death implies a decisive action. It's like a war, I would add. It's like hand-to-hand combat. And this is where you are conquering an enemy. That's the image that Paul is using there. And a lot of people back then would understand that uh, quite well. So Paul is presenting two lists of five. First, he calls us to put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desire, and greed. And these include, there's some uh, very specific things in here about all those. So suffice it for our time to say the first four are sexual in nature. And the last one is greed, which Paul declared is idolatry. This may be because when we greedily desire something, we value it more highly than we value God. So these are vices and wrath. The wrath of God is coming upon them, these things. And he has more details about this. In verse 8, Paul introduces a second list of five that we are to put away. Put away these things as if they were dirty clothes, you know, putting them in the, who said that? But we were putting them in the laundry to um, get them washed. And the first item to be put away is anger. And he goes and he tells the story about anger that's kind of funny there about the lady that got free from anger after she got angry with him about talking about anger. <laughs> But along with those things, we are called to put away wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language, and do not lie. And suffice it to say at the bottom of page 157, none of these are becoming of a Christian. You think they are? You think these are becoming of a Christian? I mean, we've had pastors that that curse in the pulpit, uh, you know, and think it's funny. I mean, I, I just can't believe... But anyway, none of these are becoming of a Christian and none are beyond the Spirit's power to remove from us. We can be transformed into the image of Christ because God's desire is to conform us to the image of Christ. And he does it by his power. But here, these verses in Colossians are emphasizing your choice in the matter to be involved in this and to have this as your goal as a Christian, as weak as you may believe yourself to be. So verses 10 through 14, because God has the power. That's that's his point. Verses 10 through 14, verse 10, and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, But Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, 
holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also you are also to forgive. And verse 14, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So, we don't just put away those old clothes, we put on new clothes, right? You don't, I mean, you could say, we don't just uh, take off our dirty clothes, we put on new clothes, right? Just as Christians should put away sinful practices, we are to put on godly practices. This is an important thing that that gets blurred in our modern church, quote unquote, because the church acts just like the world. We imitate the world in every possible way to draw a crowd and to make ourselves look successful to each other. At least some do. I mean, the idea is to put on godly practices that are different. And so, this comes from having our minds renewed as we adopt the same viewpoint as our Creator. As the Holy Spirit renews our minds, we are transformed to act like Christ. So, how do you discern God's voice? Well, does it conform you to the image of Christ? Can you tell if you're involvement in your Christian disciplines, like we talked about spiritual disciplines for the Christian life and the God of promise and the life of faith. As we, as we do these things, is there an effect? Is there a change in our life? Not that we become perfect overnight, but are we ever increasing in our faith? So to be in Christ is an incredibly wonderful position to be in. His life becomes your life when your life is no longer your own. Your identity comes not from your nationality, not from your culture, not from your family background or your gender, but from your relationship with Christ. That's what those verses are talking about. And and the point would be that everything that divides people in the world and in society and in politics, every wedge issue these juvenile, delinquent, worthless politicians can come up with to divide us against each other, all of these things are insignificant compared to Christ in us. And yeah, there's a lot of more detail here. So in Christ, they were all beloved brothers and sisters. And Paul summarized this section with an exhortation to live in a certain way, to live in a loving way, in a forgiving way, in a humble way. And so um, Paul is saying, if you're a Christian, live like who you are. And so there's this other list of five to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We can choose, you and I, to put on these qualities each and every day. And we have to choose to do it. We choose to conduct ourselves in a way that honors Christ because God's desire is to give us the power to do so, to conform ourselves to the image of Christ. And I love the way he says this. You might object that you are not naturally gentle. (laughs) You're not naturally humble. And you're not naturally a patient person. 
That's okay. We're not expected to manufacture these traits in our own power. These qualities come from God and are reflected in the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22-23. Love that. And on top of all this, we are to put on love. Love is not something we feel, Blackaby writes. It is something we choose. Put on love. Put on love. Love is the perfect bond of unity that can meld slaves and free Greeks and Jews into one family unified in Christ. Blackaby writes, There are many false teachings that try to divide the church, but love for Christ and for one another brings unity. So the good news is, you can transcend your psychology. You are not bound to remain the same person all your life. You can change. You can be conformed to the image of Christ in, the, in your own way, in the way that God has for you that's appropriate for you, that reflects the truth of God's word and these lists here that we have in Colossians. You have the power by the Holy Spirit to put away anything that dishonors Christ and to put on anything that brings him glory. Devote yourself to putting away and putting on until there is nothing left in you but what looks like Christ. So how do you discern the voice of God? You ask the question, does it conform me to the image of Christ? Well, I hope this podcast has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, I will see you in worship, in person, at the Rolling Roads Baptist Church this coming Thank you for listening. Rolling Roads Baptist Church is located at 2800 Van Story Street in Greensboro, North Carolina, near Four Seasons Town Center and Smith High School. You're invited to join with us this Sunday morning at 11 a.m. as we are Growing Towards Christ. Find us on Facebook and at rollingroads.org.